welcome to episode 328 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fan's weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Salvato, and I am here today breaking my one rule as we get into our second episode of Retro Encounter's Metroidvania Month. So we kicked off this month two weeks ago with uh, Castlevania Aria of Sorrow, and today we're talking about something I've been asked about many times and finally relented on, which is Super Metroid. I like how you just finally broke. You couldn't bend, so you broke. Basically, you yeah. know, I mean, well, it's, see, here's a, this is the thing, though, like, you and some others, like, sold me on the idea because it was, you know, it's the first half of a subgenre that, you know, once Castlevania Symphony of the Night came out, like, that's where this term even came from. Now we have so many of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember if it was you or Solosi or the, a combination of you, but the idea was that you pointed out to me, it's like, hey, you know, if we're going to celebrate Metroidvanias, we at least have to have a Metroid game, even though it's not actually an RPG. I think I wore you down a bit, but Solosi was the one who delivered the killing blow. Because I remember when I found out, I was like, (gasps) yeah, I mean, it worked. You eventually got me to do it. So Um, anyway, I guess now that we're, we're having a conversation, I should introduce everyone else too. So along with myself, uh, today, I am joined by John O'Logan. Hello. Hello. You may know him from Random Encounter. Um, also, today, we have Corey Tischbein. Hey there. And Josh Lewis. Hello, hello. Hello. So, how is everyone doing today? I'm doing totally fine. Amanda's uh, hanging out with a friend tonight, so I'm, uh, I'm bacheloring it up in our condo. Nice. You should play some more Metroid. Ah, yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, I have run out of Metroid games to play. Um, I've played them all, although there are many hacks I could try. That's true. How are you, Corey? Pretty good. You know, um, one of my dogs recently had to have uh, a procedure, and so he's home now, and he's sedated, which is really sad, but also really nice. It's very peaceful here today. He's just sleeping. Um, so I can't really complain. Having recently lived with a dog who had the same, well, not the same thing, but a procedure, as long as, you know, once I knew that she was fine, I have to admit it was nice and sort of funny sometimes, depending on how they react when they come home. They're so sad. I think funny, funny is an apt description. So he's wearing like an e-collar. I don't know if you've seen those, but they're like the cones of shame. Um, so it's really pitiful, but something about it's also super funny. Right. Well, I'm glad he's doing well, though. And how are you doing, Josh? I'm doing well, doing well. Um, It's the Friday right before spring break at the college that I work at. So uh, looking forward to a nice relaxing uh, next week, hopefully. Oh, fantastic. All right. So Super Metroid. Let's, uh, I figure like, I'm not really sure where to start because, you know, a lot of times we usually talk about RPGs and there's narratives and lots of things to discuss. So this is going to be an interesting episode. Oh, I know where to start. But, oh, yes. Where would we start? The last Metroid is in captivity. The galaxy (laughs) is at peace. Thank you. Thank you. I knew that was going to come in at some point. That's my terrible impression of apparently uh, Dan Osen. Osen was the guy who voiced it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, uh, he was he was like just a random guy at Nintendo uh, of America and just kind of tossed it in there. Well, I'm glad that happened, though, because now that line is just kind of iconic, isn't it? Yep. 
first line I've ever heard voiced in a video game. It's cr- it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, was not expecting that back then in 1994. So, not that there's any actual requirement for playing this, um, but I figured we should at least talk a little bit about you know our own experiences with the series because why not? So, I, I'm thinking you've played this once or twice, Jono. Uh, I've lost count of how many times I've played through this game. Um, it's one of the it's one of the few Super Nintendo games that I still own. Um, I sold most of them on eBay years ago, but this is one of the ones like you could, I couldn't part with it. Um, although I don't have it here, I think it's in my I think it's in my mom and dad's basement uh, in a box. So uh, yeah, I, I adore this game. It's amazing. Uh, it's it's a foundational game in terms of what I love of video games. That's a good way of putting it. So, Corey, Corey, I know you're not to put you on the spot here, but I know this was a new experience for you. Yeah, so I have, I mean, next to no history with the series. Before playing Super Metroid for this podcast, I think my only exposure to Metroid was playing as Samus and Super Smash Brothers, which um, it turns out that experience isn't entirely unrepresentative of playing a Metroid game, but there's obviously a lot more to it. Um, So this was very new for me. Yeah, yeah. Some of her moves in Smash aren't really explored till other games. Um, Although, actually, she was punching in Smash before she was punching in Metroid, so that's kind of interesting. That's true. There's no punching here. I mean, she gets punched, but she doesn't Well, yes. Um, how about you, Josh? Like, how how familiar are you with Metroid? I'd say I'm pretty familiar with this uh, at this stage. I started playing Metroid games back uh, when Metroid Prime came out on the Nintendo GameCube, and for the longest time, I only played the 3D Metroid games. Only recently did I actually play a 2D Metroid game, and that was when Super Metroid was um, released on the Nintendo Switch Online service. I had never had a chance to play it up until that point. Um, I only really found I was interested in playing it until, or right around the time I played Hollow Knight, and I loved the hell out of that. So I figured I'll give it, I'll give Super Metroid a shot, and of course it's amazing. You know, go figure. There's a reason why everybody loves it. Um, and then after that, I kind of just played all the other 2D ones that I could get my hands on: uh, Zero Mission, Fusion, um, in anticipation of Metroid Dread coming out. So it's safe to say that you enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, so me, oh boy, I have to give away my age here. So I started with the first game um, in 80, shoot, was that 1986? Um, yeah. So I, I played the original Metroid, and I think starting with Super Metroid is where they actually started really aging well, because it's very difficult to go back to the first one. I mean, if mm-hmm. only for, you know... The games didn't have maps yet at the time. The first two didn't have built-in maps, and the controls were a little stiff or floaty, uh, depending on which one you were playing. But the map, you know, the map has become a really integral part of these types of games, whether they're Metroid or Metroidvania. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I think we're covering this game instead of the original Metroid is it's... The original Metroid almost works as a prototype for Super Metroid. Um, The pieces are, a lot of the pieces are there. I mean, there's a direct sequel. In fact, we're revisiting 
uh, many of the locations uh, that we visited in the original Metroid, uh, including the original location of the Mother Brain fight, which is so cool. Um, that's a brilliant little bit of continuity right there. But all of the mechanics in Metroid and to a lesser extent, uh, Samus Returns for the Game Boy, uh, they're both kind of just act as prototypes for what Super Metroid became, less so as prequels, but more as prototypes. Um, Super Metroid is the thing, is the game that really took the the uh, exploration and the, the item gating sections of the world and the map exploration to the next level. And you're right, all it took really was a map can't imagine what this would have been like without a map i suppose you created your own is that how people beat the original uh that and get a subscription to nintendo power yeah um, i definitely had a, a printed guide with with a you know physical printed map to get through that because it, it's not just the lack of a map and you know the the nes was just more limited so one of the hard things i think about going back to the first game is that it's so many of those corridors look exactly the same. Like it's so mm-hmm. easy to get lost and be like, oh, is it is it this corridor that's like 15 screens tall? It's like, no, it's the other one that's like a slightly different color. Um, <laughs> yeah, and they all have those black backgrounds too. Yes, all the black backgrounds. Yeah, and the original Metroid also, there were just rooms that didn't go anywhere. They were just kind of there. So yeah, the map is maybe, maybe one of the most understated but important things that it, that separates this one from the first two games because in terms of gameplay that they're definitely very similar I, i'm glad you brought up the um the throwback stuff though because that that actually comes up very early on in super metroid and that's always been one of my favorite things i just thought that was so fascinating the way you're on the same planet but it's a very different experience in the first one so in the first what 10 15 minutes or something you're going through backwards the location from the end the last fight in the first game yeah and then you immediately revisit your first location from the first game with the two pillars and you in the center yeah yeah it's basically like which i guess if i'd I'd have to look at a map and see how close those two really are i think they are fairly close on the map in the original game but maybe the idea is that you know, after what happened in the explosion, things kind of got compressed and like shifted around. That's why the end of the game and the beginning of the game are like an elevator apart. Mm. The yeah, elevator survived though. Yeah. I, it's, it, I mean, that's not even the beginning of the game though. Technically the beginning of the game is like, it's the beginning of the game is almost like a Metroid uh, game in miniature. Uh, when you visit the space station, it has all of the beats of a Metroid game where you like descend down a shaft and you explore an area very quickly and you fight Ridley. And then there's a timer where with an explosion and you have to escape in time. And it's like, it's like a little, it's a little mini Metroid game. That's essentially a tutorial for the, what's about to come. It's true. And, and it's a tutorial without any, you know, dialogues or text boxes. No. And it's so cool that, uh, the way this game tells its story, I've always thought is quite remarkable. Cause yeah, at the very beginning you get the, you know, you get the last Metroid is in captivity line. And then you have Samus sort of describing what happened in the previous two games. Um, but what really tells the story for me is the opening screen where it just says super Metroid and you see the dead scientist and you see the baby Metroid uh, in the, in his chamber. 
And then the next time you see that exact scene, that exact chamber, uh, the bodies are still there, but the Metroid is gone. And you're like, where did it go? That title screen really stands in stark contrast to a lot of the other Nintendo properties as well, like uh, Mario and Zelda. They're all kind of feel good. Then Metroid is just very creepy, very um, uncomfortable um, in a sense. Like it sets the mood right away. Especially with the music. Oh, I love the music. Yeah, this game has great music. I think, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the narrative and how there is some, outside of the beginning, there is some stuff that you can infer. There's a lot of inferring in this game. If you go through and you see different things and some of the creatures you encounter and, of course, some of the sequences towards the end. Um, and I think it's really well done. I think they did a lot by not having dialogue. Like there's no one for Samus to talk to. Um, Adam's nowhere to be seen. No, no, no exposition, no Adam. Not that I mind Adam, but. I don't mind Adam in certain games. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the lack of dialogue really lends itself to the uh, feeling of isolation that the game is trying to go for. Yeah, Definitely. It's brilliant. There's you're on this planet alone. There is no backup, which is one of the reasons I think I'm just going to spoil the end of the game, because if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know the end of the game. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons why it's such a great moment when the uh, formerly baby Metroid, now the fully grown Metroid, uh, joins the fight and comes with you because all of a sudden you aren't alone anymore. Like this is the first time in the game you actually have help. Right. It was nice while it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> One other thing I thought was interesting about that was it also calls back to the intro where they're talking about the research on the Metroid and how like the Metroids that are always known as this thing that siphons energy actually can go the other way. Like it can be used to like help people and you yeah. actually see that in action. Yeah, um, especially because you just got drained yeah. a few minutes earlier by it and now it's like, oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm still kind of wondering, though, what is a Metroid? Well, <laughs> if you we know? if you play the other Metroid games, uh, it is discussed in other Metroid games. Yes, I, I guess that'll give me some incentive to branch out from this one. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, when you think of a Metroid, you think of like the sort of single cell organism uh, with the pinchers. Uh, that's become famous, but they grow and they mutate and they become different kinds of creatures uh, along the way. But in this game, there's only one Metroid left. And while they're, while the space pirates are doing their best to create new Metroids, uh, they have not succeeded. So the only one that they have is the baby. The baby. Why should they say it like that? <laughs> the baby. The baby. Um, except, except for the, uh, my favorite, there's, I don't really know the name of any monsters uh, in this game aside from the bosses, but uh, mock droids. Mock are, droids, yes. Yeah, are hilarious. Just the the, the sad Metroid clones <laughs> that don't really do anything. Oh, those are pitiful. Yeah, yeah. Are those the ones where you just um, you just freeze it and then kill it with a missile? Yeah, they're the ones with like the little single nucleus instead of the three in, oh, in yeah. the water area. Yeah. And then you and then you actually do get some properly cloned Metroids at the end of the very end of the game. Yeah. On the way to uh, Mother Brain, but yeah. Which are quite annoying those cloned ones. Those fake ones, you actually see them um 
you just you get a quick glimpse of them before you ever go to that area when you kind of go down that shaft in Meridia, where you're um yeah sort of like foreshadowing in a sense. It's really cool. I was I was actually going to talk about that. I'm I'm glad you uh, brought that up and noticed that too because that I, I've known it, but playing through it again, I definitely honed in more on that this time. Like there's certain bits of foreshadowing like that, and like sometimes it's foreshadowing the fact that these sort of Metroid things are there, but the one of my favorite things about this is that it's really easy once you really get in, not easy, but once you get into the game, like, and really look for it, the way they kind of foreshadow like secrets or other paths or something is so well done because sometimes you go into a room and you just see something like that happens to crawl up out of the floor or just something that looks a little bit odd and it encourages you to like, well, I'm going to go look over there. Like, how is there an enemy over there, like on that side of the wall? Because I can't get there, but maybe I can. Um, and I just think it's really interesting because they say, well, like, they show you that there is something, but there's no clue about what it is or how to do it. So you still have to figure it out. It, it does a really good job of conditioning the player to um, kind of think of, think outside of the box in a lot of cases, like bombing the walls and um, looking for like those hidden pathways. Yeah, it demands a lot of trial and error that um, can often be pretty fun and thought-provoking. Yeah, and I mean, even this game, by today's standards, it doesn't explain anything. In fact, it doesn't really explain even a lot of the mechanics properly. Um, like, explaining wall jumps, explaining spark, uh, shine spark is done through watching various creatures in the world uh, interact with the world but there's no dialogue there's no press this to do this um so if you're not really paying attention you're really going to get stuck but there's no point in the game unless you're doing like if you're doing boundary breaks and like skips and things like that yeah you there's a possibility you could get stuck but otherwise it's every place you possibly can get to has a way out you know to this day i still have no clue how the space jump works like I, I just spam the jump button and hope it hope that I'm going up. Like you're not alone. That's I think that's most people. The, the timing, the timing of the space jump, um, especially once you've played later games, is a little weird in this one. Like it's really easy to mess mm -hmm. up, and if if the game decides that you miss the timing, like you can't re really recover. Usually, I didn't. I thought I'd have a little bit of a hard time going back to this one in terms of just the terms of the controls because they have refined the controls of samus so much in what do you mean you can't grab onto ledges God. i know like in fusion <laughs> and zero mission and then again in dread like that is some of the most like precise and fluid 2d i've ever played um and i know you know when you compare to that super metroid feels a little bit stiff but um not as bad as i thought like going back um i think once you get used to it but there's just certain things there's certain things like the space jump and trying to get a sometimes you think you can jump into a, a spinning jump and you just get that straight up jump that is not what you want but mm. otherwise i think it still holds up pretty well control wise i think so too especially when you compare it to the first two games yeah with the exception of the wall jump which i, I think gave me the most headache um i would agree with that it, it controlled pretty tightly um minus, you know accepting some some aspects of it. Is there anywhere in the game where you're actually required to use the wall jump or is it for the most part, you, you can get pretty much wherever you need to with just normal jumping? 
I don't think there's anywhere it's required in terms of like progressing in the game. If you want to get certain power-ups before you have a space jump, I think you'd have to. Right. Yeah, but once you have space jump, you're just not going to bother with the wall jumps anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because why would you? Unless you can't figure out the timing. Right. But uh, in terms of like the abilities, in terms of, I mean, what are the abilities that came that came along from the previous two games? So Morphball, obviously. Uh, bombs, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, the suit, the kinds of and, suit, the and ice the beams, beams. Yeah. all the beams, ice beam, yeah. But like I in terms I'll... of new stuff, screw attack oh. is new, isn't it? No, it's not. I thought screw attack was new. Speed booster definitely is. Speed booster was new. Uh, super missiles were new. Power bombs were new. Mm-hmm. Um, and while this game doesn't have a double jump, it does have a space jump, which is yeah. or high jump boots. The high jump boots are like whenever I play a Metroid game, it's the moment you can jump higher. It's just like, <laughs> oh, yes. It's like yeah. I can go everywhere now. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. opens it up like, uh, yeah, items. The point of Metroid games is you get an item, it opens progression. But there's something about the level of progression you get with uh, high jumps or double jumps. And you're just like the whole world is suddenly within reach. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, I mean, I would even say like most any power-up related to movement. I mean, the high jump is definitely the first one of that, but speed booster and space jump too. The weapons open different doors that are otherwise closed. Um, you can use them to open, uh, destroy destructible blocks, open up new areas to explore. I mean, every ability and weapon in the game was a big part of the loop for me. Like it kicked off, oh, I got a new ability, a new weapon. It's time to explore until I get stuck again. And then <laughs> happen on a new power up and kind of repeat the cycle. Um, it was a fun cycle. It, it doesn't matter too much. I know I enjoyed it like the first time I played the game, but, you know, I think it's interesting that you can toggle and mix and match all the different beams, which I didn't even really do this time because there's not really a need to, but I think it's kind of interesting that it lets you do that. You know, there was mm -hmm. a spot in... Um in i think it was lower brinstar it was after i got the high jump boots and i went back because i thought i could get back up to um like the, the upper level of brinstar but i still couldn't so i was actually stuck in that uh room with the the pool of water and i couldn't get there because the high jump i was hitting the ceiling so i actually had to disable the high jump so i could actually clear the uh the, the pool of water it, and i oh, never had to actually disable that before i didn't even know you could do that no, I mean, I, I don't, I either didn't or forgot because I don't recall being in that position. That's interesting. I don't think you're supposed to go up that way um, at that point <laughs> in the game. I think you're, I think I'm pretty sure you're supposed to keep going uh, through Norfair or whatever it is down there. But yeah. The uh, grappling hook is new. Yeah. So a lot of it was new. Yeah. I think, I think basically everything in Metroid 2 carried over except Spider Ball. Unless there's some weird thing I'm forgetting about. Yeah, so Morph Ball, Long Beam, Missiles, Ice Beam, Wave Beam, Bombs, Varius Suit, High Jump Boots, and the Screw Attack uh, were all returning from the first game. Um, to introduce the uh, Spacer Beam and the Plasma Beam and the Space Jump and Spider Ball, which vanished for many, many years. <laughs> yes. In 
in Metroid 2, was there a way to aim diagonally with the uh, arm cannon, or was that new in Super Metroid as well? I think it was just up, up, down, left, right. Yeah. yeah I mean, so that, I that makes so, a yeah. pretty big difference in terms of just aiming and combat in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was that was a good example of why do we have buttons on the top of our controllers now? I'm like, <laughs> this is why for things like this. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, use that all the time. Yeah, I. Uh, it's it's fascinating because I mean one of the reasons we're doing Metroidvania Month is because it's fascinating to look at like the origins of what Metroidvanias are and what each title brought to the party. And uh, I think it's good that we're doing like a Castlevania and a Metroid game because obviously those are the two pieces. Um, obviously, Super Metroid doesn't have any RPG elements in it, um, but what it brought to the metroidvania party as we currently think about it are uh maps item progression uh exploration usually minimal levels of story more atmosphere um and obviously different games took off from there and went in a, a, a number of different directions yeah it was probably really interesting for you josh if you started with metroid prime because metroid prime is really when they started getting into lore and data logs and dialogue and you're still there alone but like the amount of story that's actually like explained and discoverable very different in the prime games okay um it is really rewarding though to go out into the world of prime um and kind of get that lore um from all the data logs and all that um it really does a good job of like fleshing out the world but we're not really here to talk about metroid prime right um we're here to talk about Super well metroid. we are but like i i like that because it's interesting seeing how it evolved into that um and especially knowing what you know about prime and like because you get you learn so much about the chozo and other stuff in prime in the later games so going back to super metroid after that you, again it's it's more inferred story but like when you see the the statues there and then of course some of the statues that come alive and attack you um it, it just it's kind of interesting like knowing once you know a little bit more about their society and how they were placed there, it's interesting seeing how they're there and how they still support you, even though, you know, at this point, like none of them are alive anymore. I like how there's a, a there are two endings of the game. Uh, it, it's just things that even exploration, like that, the little creatures that you find along the way, you can save the creatures. You can save the animals at the end of the game. I don't know if either. I, I don't I was know if Corey ask, knew that. Yeah, I was going to ask if anyone did that. Oh, always. I wish I did that. Okay, yes, always. But yeah, the, uh, the the first time I played the game, I definitely didn't save the animals because I totally, I, I I forgot where they were. Like, I knew you could do it because I'd read about it, but I, I had no idea where they were. Like, it's a little out of the way. So I just kind of didn't let it, um, I, I just didn't do it. And then the second time I actually tried to find them, but I, even then I was like, well, where the hell are they? I, I, are, oh, they're mm -hmm. down that shaft. Okay. And um, I actually just, uh, right before we started talking uh, tonight, I went through and I finished the game just to get like my final time and all that. And I, I, I did save the animals this time. So I'm not a total monster in the end. <laughs> well, good. 
I mean, I don't think Corey's a total monster because well, he didn't know they were there. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's a very hidden little thing during the escape sequence. So, well, Corey's a regular monster. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jono. Uh, yeah, I did not pick up on any of this. However, I was also running full speed to beat the timer and like barely made it. Um, right. So, coming to Super Metroid, you know, with this being my first Metroid game, um, I don't know if I would use the word hard or difficult. Um, but this game is much more challenging than like modern Metroidvanias. Um, and so for me, I was just trying to get through, honestly. And I, I missed the cue for the animals. I, I was pretty focused on like, I just got to beat this game because I am not the best with platformers. Um, and so I definitely missed some of the cues of like of the animals and I didn't have the greatest um, completion rate um, or, or runtime. Um but anyway, if I play again, I will definitely uh, free the animals. That sounds awesome. <laughs> There's no, I mean, do you want me to tell you? Very much so, yeah. Okay, because like there is no cue. So like I really don't want you to like, think you, you missed some obvious thing because there's no indication that it's there. Um, I was actually reading something today. I was reading a wiki or something earlier today about how it was kind of something that just kind of came up in development. Someone on the team was like, hey, uh, what if we do this? And so they just decided to do it. There, there really is no reason to think that that door is open uh, because you see a bunch of them while you're escaping uh, Turi in there and all the doors that you encounter are locked except for that one and you have no reason to believe that it's unlocked. Yeah, like, why would you ever go back down to the uh, room with the Chozo statue that attacked you? There's no reason to. Right. So, yeah, I mean, so that's the thing, Corey. Like, as you're, as you're escaping, if you take a detour and go down to that first room where you get the bombs... That's the one door that hasn't been locked and you open it up and your speed booster wall jumping friends are in there and you like blow open the wall and they run out and then you go back to escaping and all that you see them run out. And the only (laughs) difference it makes in the ending is as your ship flies away from the planet, there's like a three pixel little purple dot that flies off to the right. And that's how you can see they got in some escape pod. (laughs) <laughs> the alternate ending. Yep. That is one of the most random things I've ever heard in video games. Like that just seems like such a bizarre, I mean, welcome, but bizarre little Easter egg. Yeah. Um, I, I feel less guilty now about missing it. Thank you. Right. Um, maybe I'll YouTube for that that little one second flip of them <laughs> escaping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's the right way of looking at it, though. It's definitely an Easter egg, not a, oh, well, you had to know about this. How could you not? It's kind of it's uh, canon though because the creatures show up in uh, fusion. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess you at least have to see it before you're allowed to play fusion. Otherwise, it won't make any sense. Wait, how did they get here? Yeah. Um, I just like the idea that these little creatures have their own spaceship. That amuses me. <laughs> yeah, and apparently they know how to pilot it, or at least you know hit some <laughs> buttons to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice twist because in Fusion, they save your ass um, by flying in at the very end of the game. Yeah. It's nice and weird. I, I mean, I know we're not here to talk about it, but I am one of those people who actually really enjoys Metroid Fusion. Oh, me too. Uh, I think it's a great game. I think that it's a different kind of Metroidvania because it's a lot more linear and a lot more guided. But, I mean, it has some really, really great controls, fun exploration, and, yeah, uh, a lot of nice storytelling. Again not entirely told through uh 
dialogue, although there's certainly a fair bit more with Adam there. Speaking of linearity, um, was it just me or was your second or like um, however many playthroughs of Super Metroid, was the second onward, like, did it feel more linear to you guys or did it still feel just as open-ended as it did for the first time? I mean, the main progression is technically linear, but you can always choose where to go when and if you're going to like take a detour and get this power up or run over there and get that. So. And there is some sequence breaking in place, which I have to admit this playthrough I did. I've never done sequence breaking before. So there were a few places where I was playing with some sequence sequence breaking techniques that I've never done. Like the, uh, some of them are fairly easy. The, uh, it's a called, I think it's called mock ball. Um, it's the very first room with the uh, collapsing floor. And you, if you, if you are off screen and you run and you jump and you go into a mock ball, you'll maintain your uh your uh momentum and you can cross it earlier than you normally would it's fascinating i mean this is a game that is well known by the speedrunner community because there are a lot of ways that uh a lot of ways that they could sequence break and that mentality has made its way into future metroid titles uh to the point where the latest metroid title has sequence breaks like built in and if you do them there are actual like sequences you can see um uh, where you can use abilities that you shouldn't have yet to beat bosses. And uh, I think that them, Nintendo embracing that mentality is one of the reasons why games like this have uh, maintained their popularity over the years, because there's a lot to find. I'm curious what else you did. Uh, I only did one one of those things this time, I guess. Unless you count um, not getting X-ray scope until uh, the, when your last items as sequence breaking. I guess that's yeah, the opposite. I just don't yeah. need it, but I wanted it for the item percentage. Um, no, the only thing I, I got early is I got wave beam early because right. I was in the room and I didn't have grapple beam yet. So, but I want a wave beam. So I made my way over there and tried not to die in the spikes and just kept wall jumping until I got it. But I think that's a helpful one to have since then your, you know, your beam can get to things it doesn't normally get to at that point. Yeah. Grapple beam is, Probably my least favorite upgrade in this game. I don't even consider the X-ray scope being an upgrade, really, uh, because it's not li- it's not linked to progression. It's just a nice thing to have. Right. Whereas the grapple beam is necessary, although the grapple beam does lend itself to the coolest boss fight in a yes. video game ever. Yes. Oh, uh, are you talking about Dragon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Oh, did you do that, Corey? I did. I well, I mean, to be fair. Y'all, by this point of the game, I was referencing a guide. So that's fine. <laughs> don't give me any credit. But yeah, that's what I. That's how I uh, beat Dragon, and I was kind of blown away. It's so cool. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. Something that, uh, something you said a few minutes ago, Josh, where you were wondering, uh, like, how, how hard the game was uh, for people who've played it before. Uh, I found the game played a little bit stiffer than I remember it. And then once I started playing it, I don't think the game is hard at all. But the reason why is simply because it's muscle memory. I played this game so many times and played it so young that my body, I just remember how things go. I remember my body react or hands react as I would expect them to. Um, So I didn't have any difficulty uh, beating the game uh, in just a few hours with a pretty good completion percentage just based off memory. Uh, so it's really interesting to hear the level of difficulty from someone who has not 
played it before and doesn't have that like in their body so to speak already i mean i this is the second time i'm playing it so i had played it before yeah but it's um yeah it was definitely more challenging toward the beginning of the game but i mean that's kind of expected right if you haven't played it in a while as you were saying muscle memory after you play it for a while it um it's like second nature really but um yeah i i think in in the metroid games in particular the beginnings are generally a little more challenging because you're still trying to uh adjust to the controls and you don't have as many resources at your disposal but like toward the end of the game when you have all you're decked out with all these upgrades and you have all these um like reserve tanks and health um missile upgrades all sorts of weaponry uh to use against all the enemies it's almost like the the classic power trip fantasy kind of thing where you just kind of like smash through everything and just um yeah (laughs) You go back to all those uh, previous, like the first areas of the game, and you just th- uh, just trash everything that's there. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about a good Metroidvania is is returning to an area that was kicking your butt, and then you're just like, "This is nothing." Yeah, I think it's I think it's some good progression. I think they do even better with it in later games, but there is some of that here too, especially with maybe the second half of the game because you keep you start encountering all these like space pirates in new colors and suddenly they're immune to your weapons so Ugh, then you all the space pirates are a pain in the butt oh yeah so like okay oh. fine well now i have plasma beam so now i can take care of you and then like 20 minutes later there's a new one that is immune to plasma beam oh yeah those plasma beam guys in meridia uh, I-, I was looking around for geez i don't even know how long trying to find like where where is the plasma beam again how do i kill these guys <laughs> yep don't forget the ones that you have to like i think jump over to get yeah, them to... yep that those two towards the end yeah oh those guys right before those were a nightmare yeah those guys are horrible arguably harder than ridley actually is or at least more frustrating yeah i i don't know i don't know if i i got lucky and got them into a pattern this time through but i did get into a pattern where i was just when they would jump towards me i would just jump through them with screw attack because you don't get hurt and just turn around and shoot them but i think a lot of it is that most of the enemies you can kill just through like mindlessly shooting at shooting at them with the with the beams or missiles or whatever but those guys you actually have to think a little bit about it Mm -hmm. that's true that's true there's not outside of bosses there's not much of that in this game that was that was something that really came up later in the game or other games yeah bosses in this game i think the bosses in this game are excellent as well uh not as many as in some future titles but like just really really well designed and uh there's a few places there like just really iconic battles like, uh, like baby, obviously dragon baby grade uh baby grade baby grade is such a great troll <laughs> it's like yes definitely it's an amazing troll because uh cory in the original metroid grade is smaller than you are like is just like a little tiny uh sprite with those abilities uh same abilities you know shooting the 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 tummy spikes so when you see baby craid you're like oh there's craid oh that was easier than i thought it was going to be and then the super nintendo's processing power blows your goddamn mind (laughs) i always enjoyed Uh, that yeah don't forget about crocomire either most metal death in uh, video game history. <laughs> yes. Crockmire's death is is amazing, and the return is such a great 
just <laughs> it, it's a perfect anticlimax in a game in a video game in the 90s like that just didn't exa- that didn't happen you're like oh no his final form his final foe he collapsed okay yeah that's right he does no tendons that makes sense okay right oh no they so committed to that like let's start this music we're gonna have this big earthquake i was so i was like i'm not prepared for this like this thing can't die oh okay no it did i guess yeah fantoon i love the whole wreck ship sequence yeah it's good so much Fantoon was a tough one for me yeah yeah, once he gets faster, especially, and he has way too many, way too many like ghost flames floating around that room. So the first time I played uh, Super Metroid, I didn't realize that when you charged the beam and you jumped with the somersault, I didn't realize mm-hmm. that you were immune to uh, damage mm-hmm. from certain uh, projectiles. And you kind of have to do that in, the, in that fight. Uh, it's one of those things that the oh, game yeah. doesn't really tell you you can do, but you can, in fact, do it. Uh, Ridley, obviously. Of course which is great. I love the fact that you fight Ridley twice in the game. And the first time it's uh, when you're super underpowered. And then obviously at the end of the game, when you have almost everything. Yeah. That was actually the one time I died this run. Cause I just, I didn't spend a lot of time. Like I usually do uh, going out of my way to get extra missiles. So I ran out of missiles earlier than I would have liked in that fight. Trying to beat him with suit, trying to beat him with charge beam is just, very difficult yeah yeah that was a fight that was tough but it really had an established pattern that kind of once i got in my head i was able to get around and you say you're not good at platformers (laughs) i'm getting better yeah yeah i think i died twice at the beginning uh when i was fighting the the chozo statue right um i hadn't played the game in so long so it's like amateur hour (laughs) over here right um, and then I didn't die at all up until the Ridley fight. And then he just kind of curb stomped me. And yeah. Who else is there besides the, the big, I, there's the, the two Chozo statues, obviously that second, I always think I'm going to die at that second one because he is so fast and, but I love the way that's designed because it really throws you off. You're like, okay, he can just turn himself into the background. So I can't use missiles and, I remember the first time I'd shot a super missile at him and I'm like, he, he grabbed it out of the air and he's throwing it back at me. I couldn't get over that. That's just like, wow. All right. Is that the one in lower Norfair? Yeah. Yeah. The golden one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have that many of those. Stop catching them. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is, uh, I don't know the name of it. There's the, it's the, the whack-a-mole, the whack-a-mole lizard. Oh shoot! Yeah, I don't remember his name offhand. That was a fun one. I like I that one. Oh, is it the one in Meridia? The uh, like the serpent thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, and then there is the um, uh, the plant boss. Spore spawn. I can do without <laughs> yes. that one. It's not even a hard battle. It's just kind of annoying. Although it is, I, I do find it visually hilarious. The faster it gets, it's just like <laughs> it's just yes. it's very funny. Uh, the music there is really unsettling, though. It is. Well, also, like, when you beat it, like, every all the vegetation in the entire tunnel just completely dies. And you're like, oh, that's not really what I wanted to happen. It does make me wonder, though, like, throughout the game, uh, there are two kinds of bosses, which are space pirates. So you have, like, Kraid and Ridley and uh, and then the other kind of boss, which just seems to be the wildlife of the planet. Um, 
and that that is literally just protecting themselves um so the zebus uh and i would argue like for example the i'm just gonna look up the name if it what is the name of this thing uh which thing bot one bot one is the uh is the serpent serpent oh thing. right okay bot one and uh and uh spore spawn i feel like those are just they're not space pirates they're not affiliated with space pirates they're just it's just the planet's plant life and animal life that you have to unfortunately kill in order to get the upgrade you need maybe samus isn't as good as we think she is <laughs> i mean she is a bounty hunter good point apparently <laughs> earlier today um I was talking to my girlfriend and uh, I was trying to explain what Super Metroid is. And I told her that Samus is a woman and she's like, damn, Samus is a boss ass bitch. And it was just the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> it's true. Samus is a boss ass bitch. Yep. It's uh, great. Yeah. And it really does show how uh, in many ways, in many ways, the, the way we respond to that kind of thing has, uh, not we like video gamers in general devolved in the last, I don't know, 30 years. Cause I have no idea what the response was back then. But I remember when I discovered that Samus was a woman, my response was, Oh, that's really cool. Whereas I feel like today there would be a mad, like people would just go on Twitter to rage tweet about it. Being like, I was playing as a woman this entire time. And they didn't tell me. Rah, 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 rah. Whereas I feel like back then it would have been like, Oh, that's cool. Interesting. Neat. I, I mean, Honestly, I think you would get both today. I just think the people that would that would be saying the stuff you said would be more vocal about it. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, Nintendo totally lied. Like even in the manual for the first game, they used they just said, "Oh yeah, Samus is like this guy, and you know he has all these powers." Like, it's also a possibility that the person who wrote the manual didn't actually play the game. <laughs> well, that's also true. Yes. Um. And I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, Metroid is based off of Alien and Ridley is obviously the main character of uh, of uh, Alien. Sigourney Ripley. Weaver's character. Ripley. Yeah, I, I, oh, Yes, Ripley, <laughs> not Ridley. Sorry, I had a brain fart there based on Metroid. Uh, Ripley is, you know, is like this. Hang on, was Metroid? I can't remember whether Aliens was released before or after Metroid aliens as in the second one i don't know. yeah because i mean she got a ripley got a uh a badass upgrade between those two movies like she's awesome in the first one but like in the second one she's the like obviously in like the power suit that that version of ridley okay aliens was 86 oh so same time that's interesting yeah. Alien was 86. Metroid was uh, 86 as well. Interesting. Hmm. What a weird Neat. coincidence. Yeah, power suit. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, there is a there is very much with with the baby Metroid. There is very much a get away from her, you bitch moment in this game. It's <laughs> true. If there was dialogue, that's probably what would be happening. Yes, when the when the Metroid lets out the so that little screech, that's what it translates to. Yep. <laughs> uh, one one quick thing to go back for just a second. Um, we were talking about like the mini bosses and like the planet, you know, the inhabitants of the planet. 
Um, I also like just the weird things you run into, like that, like turret thing in Meridia that like breaks that sand that nothing else in the game can break. Oh yeah, it's, I, I oh, always yeah, like. Cool. When I saw that, I'm like, wait, why is this here? Like, who left this here, and what does it do? I just always thought it was an interesting little thing to have there. My thought was it was a mining robot. Yeah, who just mined one one tunnel. Yeah. So that one and did did everyone find like the because you don't have to go this way, but does everyone know about the little Mario enemy cameo? No, what? some of us don't. Yeah. What is this? Um, there's one of the energy tanks you can get in Meridia. There's this like turtle creature that like spins back and forth. You can ride the turtle up and, you know, you're supposed to use grapple beam oh. to get to it, but. Yeah, gotcha. I use space jump. Yeah, I got um, that, but... actually. I, okay. I didn't know it was so the same. Though. Well, the big turtle isn't, but along with the big turtle, there's these little beetles, and they're just like, they're basically just Buzzy Beetle from Mario 3. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I don't think they're the same sprite as like the Mario All-Stars one, but it was kind of just a fun little thing because they're just there. Like, you can't interact with them. They're just hanging out with the big turtle friend. The little visual reference. That yeah. room has the most annoying frigging missile tank to get in the game. Yeah, that one threw me. It took that like a half an hour of trying to time the jump. <laughs> the, missile tank, the missile tank on the right hand side of the wall, just to time oh. the the jump with the turtle and get and like hit the hit the uh, hit the tile with your gun and then still get off. Oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> Actually, I forgot about the missile tank this time. I just got the energy tank and left. Now I'm worried. Did the turtle make it off the planet? Do we know? Does it appear no, the, in the next game? The turtle mm -hmm. probably didn't have a spaceship. The turtle hasn't made an appearance. We'll see what happens in the next Metroid game. Fingers crossed. <laughs> the turtle suddenly shows up. He seems kind of indestructible, so maybe he just like got flung off somewhere. I don't know. And inexhaustible. I mean, he just spins in, in perpetuity, just over and over. I mean, to be fair, the spaceship is again like a few pixels at the end. We don't know how big it is. They they could have the buzzy beetles and the turtle could have been in there too. They don't even need to be in there. They just need to be like flying alongside it. Right. The force of the explosion sends the turtle flying off into space. <laughs> I feel better now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> of course. No, no problem. Samus kills most wildlife, but that that wildlife survives. Yeah. Um and then of course there's Mother Brain, who we actually haven't talked about yet. No, well, lightly, but yeah. Lightly as a boss. <laughs> I've always thought the creepiest mother brain design was the mother brain design from Captain N. Oh, she wasn't really a brain. She was just like this like strip of flesh, I guess, with a brain, yeah. a brain on top. Oh, that's yeah. disgusting. Captain N takes some liberties with the uh, with many of the designs. Whereas in this game, mother brain is literally just like a brain. Yeah, I mean, Captain. Yeah, Cap let's Captain N went with some weird places with Samus. And Simon and Mega Man and most of those characters. I would argue that Me I would argue that Mega Man is probably the weirdest. Yeah. At least we got an accurate rendition of Link. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, some other brain. I thought that was a good. Uh, that's another thing that they carried over from the first one, but really did something different with it this time around. 
yeah, it's a good, again, it's a, this game has a few moments where it trolls you. Like it trolls you with your memories of the original game. And like, just like with Kraid in this one, you're like, oh, I know how to beat this guy. It's the exact same thing. It's you got to go through the fire, the missiles at the glass, at the force fields, get through to the end, shatter the glass, and then fire your missiles into the mother brain and boom, dead. Awesome. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh oh, there's more. I mean, I, I had kind of been spoiled about the ending because, you know, playing a 20 year old game, right? I can only imagine how awesome that must have been seeing that fight back um, back in the day. I don't remember my reaction to it. I was 10. I mean, I just played it the other day and thought it was awesome and I hadn't had it spoiled. It, you know, I didn't know what was actually happening. I thought I beat the game when I defeated Mother Brain and then it was like, no, now you, you have a timer. I'm yeah. like, oh, where do I go? <laughs> mm-hmm. Not a Metroid game unless you have a timer at the end with a self-destruct. Yeah. Unless you're in, okay, except for Metroid 2, which has a similar thing, but is like the most calming, relaxing thing in the universe. <laughs> That's true. Just like going back up the tunnels again, nice and cool with your baby. Now that whole end it, sequence is just very memorable and very sad, but I don't know, there's a lot of emotions going on there for me. Even though this is yeah. my, you know, like your Jono, like I, I don't know how many times I played it at this point. Yeah, and I mean, I've also seen many, many plays through playthroughs because it's it's fun to watch speed runs of this game because it's one of the best speed running games available. And there are a lot of things like there's randomizers too, which this game works so well with randomizers, with a randomizing aspect. Um, I bet there there's a randomizer that actually combines this with um the legend of zelda a link to the past where you're like jumping between the two games it's crazy smz which is which is awesome it's so cool to watch people uh race uh with these two games i mean that's it's 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 funny how many people have taken classic nintendo games and have tweaked them and hacked them and given them new life in really really interesting weird ways i mean this game specifically has been hacked so many times into brand new experiences like hyper metroid uh, Super Metroid Zero Mission, a few others, uh, which are authentically great games that use the same engine. I don't know why I have not played those yet. I've played Hyper Metroid, uh, and obviously I've played a few randomizers. Um, and they're great. Uh, they're really hard. Like, unfortunately, I find that most games, like most fan hacks, the people who play them know the game like the back of their hand. And because of that, they aren't really paying attention to the difficulty curve. So they are crazy difficult, <laughs> which is a shame in many places. But like, they're still great and in many cases, very polished. Metroid games uh, spinning off from this. Uh, there are a lot of Metroid games out there that, you know, we, we don't cover because they are traditional Metroid games that follow the Super Metroid uh, formula uh, and don't have any RPG elements, don't have any equipment, uh, stats, leveling up, that kind of thing. Um, but they're still considered Metroidvanias. That's the trick about the genre itself. It's Metroid. Metroidvania means a number of different things, as we're going to talk about uh, next week with uh, Salt and Sanctuary. Yeah, I mean, some, some, a lot of them like lean more towards Symphony of the Night style. Um, and Time Spinner, I, for example. Yeah, and they have all those RPG elements and level up and different equipment and you know, whatever else you know makes it more RPG than the Metroid games, but. Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad we were doing this this month. As much as I was resistant for obvious reasons, um, I think it's worth talking about. Like, 
there's so many there's so many of these games now like even even nintendo realized like hey we can we can actually make these again too turns out people like these things yeah weird huh (laughs) it yeah it is weird and i mean nintendo has made well nintendo didn't make they they uh contracted a company which delivered i would argue delivered one outstanding metroid game and one pretty good metroid game I, i i think dread was excellent i liked i liked uh samus returns i didn't love it i think i think it's really good I mean, it's certainly, it, especially really if you're good. if you're comparing it to the original Metroid Two, like it really, I would go so far as to say it actually makes Metroid Two playable. Um, Metroid Two is very difficult for so many reasons. Yeah, yeah. It's not just because it's on the Game Boy. It's because, well, I mean, at the beginning of this podcast, you're talking about how, like, in the original Metroid, many of the many of the rooms looked exactly the same and oh oh yeah certainly the case with metroid 2 yeah do so that and then make it black and white yeah exactly although i have to admit the samus sprite looks amazing in that game yeah she does and you know the one thing and i know lots of people talked about it and we're not here to talk about metroid 2 but the only thing that i could say that i don't like as much about samus returns is even though it looks beautiful and it's more colorful, it it loses that weird, like isolated sense of the first of the original game. That's just not there in the new one. Yeah, the original game it really did feel like you're walking through narrow caverns of a underground in a on a planet. Metroid Two, I almost feel like I'm playing a survival horror game sometimes because. And I don't know if I still would feel this way, but I know when I played it when I was a kid, there were multiple cases where you walk into a room and some Metroid mutation jumps out at you. And I jumped. I mean, there are there are jump scares in that game. Again, at least when I was younger, because it's just it's so eerie and silent and those black backgrounds. And then all of a sudden, this thing is just in front of you since, you know, your field of vision is like 10 feet in front of you. I would argue that that's something else that Castlevania brought to the party. Um, and a part of the Metroidvanias that we cover is a uh, very explicit story and story progression. Um, whereas the Metroid games don't really have that. Even the current games, I mean, obviously the Dread has some progression because you suddenly run into the scientist midway through. But up to that point, you did have that feeling of isolation and being alone. Uh, and whereas like Castlevania... Aria Soro, for example, yeah, there's there's many other characters. I wouldn't call it story heavy, but there is certainly a story progression to it, uh, as there should be in an RP, in an action RPG. Right. I mean, that's the difference. Like, Metroidvanias are not action RPGs; they're just action adventure games. But then again, you have Metroidvanias that are actually—it's it, a very confusing genre. <laughs> yes, I—I I still don't know what the genre is, but I like it. Have you played Symphony of the Night? Because it's that. Aria of Sorrow. I played that one. Okay. Well, there you go. You get the idea. The GBA games are so good. They really so are. So are the DS games. Yeah. And obviously, Symphony is Symphony of the Night is Symphony of the Night it's just it's impossible to define because it's split off in so many different directions and trying so many different things um which is one of the reasons i'm so excited to talk about salt and sanctuary uh it's because 
Now, I have some thoughts about this game, and we'll be getting into that. But taking a look at this game and seeing the ideas that it directly took from Metroid and the idea it took from Castlevania and where it, uh, where it celebrated those and where it minimized other ones, it's an infinitely customizable genre for a developer because they can just take elements that they like and put it in. Um, and Salt and Sanctuary takes out a few elements that are uh, integral in my mind to Metroidvanias, but it is still a, incontestably a Metroidvania. And obviously, Super Metroid. Here's a question, actually. Could I ask, is Super Metroid a Metroidvania? Hmm. I don't know. Because it does predate, obviously, what a Metroidvania is. True. It helped establish it. Yeah, it's the first part part of it. Yeah. I mean, it certainly has a good number of the elements that one might think define Metroidvanias. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's fascinating. Uh, it's almost like we should have two different uh, classifications, which is Metroidvanias and Metroid-likes. Like, I would argue Axiom Verge, for example, is a Metroid-like, much more so than a Metroidvania. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, not just because it's obviously greatly inspired by the original Metroid, but because uh, it doesn't really involve any of the RPG or uh, almost story progression in the same way as a, a Castlevania game. Maybe we just need to change the capitalization. If it has more Metroid, you capitalize the M. And if it's more Castlevania, you capitalize the V. That wouldn't be confusing, right? I mean, I think that some people might go for it. There have mm-hmm. been people, they've, there, if you go on YouTube and you look up Metroidvania genre, you will find many video essays of people arguing both sides of the issue, what a Metroidvania is, what it isn't. Uh, should there be a completely separate term for it? I think Nintendo called it, even before Metroidvania, I think they called it a action exploration game or an action explorer or something like that. I can't remember what their classification was for it, but they had a, they had a term. I mean, I think one of the things that really defined a Metroidvania is the... Do, we, do you call it an open world? I mean, an open 2D world, kind of? Because you can go... Maybe non-linear? Yeah, I guess. But like that that was that was when things shifted for Castlevania because Castlevania was more like arcade side scroller style until Symphony because then you had a castle. Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest okay. had a much more open world um and there were other games up to that point that had that idea of open world but they didn't really they didn't really go anywhere and it wasn't until Metroid Prime that the concept of a third person perspective or a first person perspective metroid started to be developed um which is now very very popular yeah actually even third person like i would argue the batman series is a is a metroid like not a metroidvania it's a metroid like (laughs) the arkham games yeah the arkham games yeah uh although obviously a lot of story there but obvious but no rpg mechanics Mm -hmm. i think these are great ideas for a feature what is it? Yeah, that that would be a good feature. It would also be a controversial one, and probably one that is at least seventy-five pages of content. <laughs> probably one that starts a series as well. Every every time we talk about, I mean, if we try to sit down as a team and talk about what it what defines what makes an RPG, it's so difficult now. It's so hard yeah. to like pin down genres. So RPGs and Metroids, and I'm not going to mention Zelda, but there's there's a lot of a lot of room for discussion there 
and it's hard to find an actual answer that anyone can agree on. But that's really, I think that's okay that everyone has their own views on it. Video games are still such a young industry that we do have genres, obviously, but at the same time, those genres are still evolving and are still changing and aspects of other genres are being inserted into it. And role-playing mechanics are obviously in everything nowadays, uh, which is one of the challenges for us. It's because since everything has role-playing mechanics, what do we consider to be an RPG? What do we cover? Um, And I mean, arguments can be made about certain games. Mike, you and I have had arguments about certain games. Um, and, uh, argument, argument is a strong word. I don't mean like a fight. I mean like a discussion about what should be covered and what shouldn't be covered. And most of the time you and I come down to the same, like, is this an RPG? No, 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 it's not. This is not clearly not in our coverage. And then other times it, the line isn't really, really clear. And it's the same thing with Metroidvanias. Even Googling right now, what defines a Metroidvania? I mean, you have people saying Sonic the Hedgehog is a Metroidvania. (laughs) People saying... Uh, every dating simulator is actually a Metroidvania, huh. which is an interesting concept. Uh, yeah, and there are some games that are considered Metroidvania where it's not items that are the progression, but mechanics, and you like learn different mechanics, and that unlocks your way through. And there are, obviously, like we were talking about Zelda, and Zelda does have very much Metroidvania elements in that it's, it's item-locked, and it's like open-world exploration games. The game I would most want to see from Nintendo is a uh, side-scrolling Legend of Zelda, like a, a, a wow. basically Zelda two, but done well with modern day mechanics and with castle and with uh, Metroidvania uh, progression. Ooh, that'd be something. That would be very cool. I mean, there is so many good like two D like sword play based games now. I would really love yeah. to see what they could do with that. And there are other ones like. I mean, the argument about like Cave Story, for example, is Cave Story a Metroidvania? I don't think it's a Metroidvania. I think it's a I think it's a Metroid homage. Yeah, I don't think it's a Metroidvania though. Okay, I think since we're talking Cave Story, we may have exhausted most of our Super Metroid talk. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not yes. that I don't like Cave Story. Um, now, this is really not fair that I asked this of you guys, but I did mention maybe later than I should have to get an idea of what everyone's like clear time and percentage was. Cause again, we were talking about speed running and how that can be like a point of pride. Like, Hey, I finished here. And obviously there are different endings depending on how long you took and sometimes different endings based on how many items you got, which I don't, unless I'm really forgetting, I don't think the ending in super Metroid changes at all based on your items. It's just time. I think you see like varying levels of the suit coming off like at the end, but that's really it. So, Jono, I know you you don't remember what your last time was, but you've also played a lot. So, like, what what have you seen in your time? Uh, in my time, I have gotten I have gotten. Uh, I mean, zero suit Samus is in this game. I, I've seen Samus without the suit. Uh, in this particular run, I only got the helmet off. Uh, I know I got eighty percent of items. I cannot remember what my time was. Okay. That's good though. I got most of the I, I got most of the items, but there were a few missiles. Uh, left behind mm-hmm. i um i somehow managed to miss all of the reserve tanks until like i don't know 25 minutes before i was done i just just didn't happen to go that way it was kind of funny i i picked one up and i was like oh right these um <laughs> so useful i know um yeah i mean that that 
the best ending or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Like that is difficult. I think I've done it once because you have to clear under two hours. Um, I really, really hustled to do that. So most of the time I get the second best, which I think is under four. Yeah. And Um, it's not just a matter of like rushing through the game. It's because if you rush through the game, the whole game is harder because you're not going to have as many upgrades. You're not going to have as many missiles. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, you know, like I said earlier, like I ran out of missiles fighting Ridley and it's like, if you run out too early, you're going to spend so much more time fighting some of the bosses without missiles. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this time I got a, my clear time is three hours and 12 minutes. I don't, I'm not sure how close that is to one of my best out, outside of my two hours one, but I felt good about it. So a little over three hours and I got 86% of the items, which also isn't bad since I was not really going out of my way to do it. So I feel good about that run. It's amazing how many items I remember. I just remember where they are. Yeah. Bizarrely. Like, I don't need to think about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a missile tank in that wall. Yeah. And then those rooms where you're like, you get a missile tank. And you're like, well, I know there's another one on the floor. And then also if I go over there, there's another one. <laughs> I can go through this wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, Josh, I know you redid your ending, right, to get your time. What were you at? Yep. Yep. Uh, so my for, for my second playthrough uh, this time, it was five hours and 52 minutes. About an hour and a half of that was probably spent wandering around Meridia because I missed a breakable wall <laughs> and had no idea what I was doing. So, oh, no. um, yeah, yeah, it's one of those situations. And I got 67% of the items. Um, my, just for comparison's sake, my first playthrough was around eight hours and about, what was it, 71%. Okay. So, yeah, I, I didn't get as much stuff this time, but I also didn't spend nearly as much time playing either. That's true. I mean, it's an improvement. I like the sound of eight hours, Josh. I relate. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I, I was like eight hours. It was my first playthrough. Um, but I got almost 80% of the items, so I felt good about it. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, wow. I mean, I cheated, right? I used a guide, but still, I'm going to take the credit. Cheating. <laughs> you know, there there is a certain amount of, uh, you say, muscle memory. I mean... Even with a guide, you still have to be able to hit the buttons in a certain speed and angle. And um, I feel like I deserve some credit for getting through this. This was a hard game for someone who hasn't played it before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Are you going to play another one? I'd like to, but we didn't talk about Metroid Dread, which is the one I'm most interested in. Oh, Metroid Dread. That's that's a hell of a game. (laughs) It's it's pretty damn good, yeah. I know we spent over an hour talking about the unimportance of, not unimportance, but the low-key narrative and stuff of Metroid. Um, I I guess I might be saying this because I'm such a fan and because I've, you know, watched this narrative unfold from the 80s until, you know, last year when they followed up with uh, a sequel to Fusion. I would recommend playing them in order. Like, you don't absolutely have to since Dread really recaps fusion anyway um but you know if you can if you have a wii u you can get fusion um i i would do i would do fusion zero mission and dread if you can but that's just me yeah i would skip metroid i would skip uh samus returns obviously i mean if you wanted to like boot them up just to see what they're like that'd be cool because they're really interesting but they're not what i would call 
fulfilling gameplay experiences by today's standards. In <laughs> fact, they are extremely frustrating. Um, so yeah, just play Zero Mission. Go If you want to play them in order, play Zero Mission. Go to the uh, 3DS, play... Um, uh, the re- play the Metroid Two remake, then obviously Super Metroid, then Fusion. Should we tell? Should we skip Other M? I like okay. I like the gameplay of Other M. Um, I I think it would have if they weren't so weird. Done this thing where they're like, it would be really funny if you could just play with the D pad, even though some areas are three D. That was dumb. That was a mm-hmm. bad move. Um, outside of that, I thought it was fun. I like the environments. Uh, just. The, the story sequences um, I could do without. And I, I couldn't, I just couldn't wrap my head around the, the fact that Samus is on this team with all these guys. And like, instead of like losing her powers or regaining them, she intentionally didn't use them because a bunch of dudes told her not to. I'm like, this isn't Samus. I don't want to play that one. <laughs> no. That one sounds very depressing. <laughs> no. I mean, it, it opens up and gets better later, but. Yeah. Other M is well, yeah, but Other M is legitimately depressing because it opens up with Samus being extremely depressed about the death of the baby Metroid. Yes. <laughs> yes. The baby. the baby. Are we optimistic <laughs> that any of these will make their way to Switch or would I really have to go and like I have a DS, but I don't have a, a Wii U anymore. Or a GBA. It's, I mean it's if, so hard if, to if you have a DS. I mean, if you they could, still um, had a friggin' If they still had a Wii shop. Yeah. <laughs> or a red. Yeah. Unfortunately. Do you have the original DS? Because the original DS had the uh, Game Boy Advance cartridge. So if you could find a physical copy of it, you could do that. Oh, I think I do. That's a really good point. I think I do have an old DS. I know I have a 3DS, but I think I have a really old one too. That might be an option. Yeah. I wouldn't be super surprised if Nintendo didn't. Um, if the next Metroid game that we see is isn't a port of uh, isn't a port of Samus Returns, yeah, like I would I would, given the success of Dread and the fact that they have the remake of, of Metroid Returns sitting right there, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a port of it going to uh, the Switch at, at probably some point this year with very little warning. I'd still okay really like it. to see the uh, trilogy Metroid Prime trilogy. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I think that it's a matter of... I think it's a matter of Metroid Prime 4 and its development issues, and they're probably... If I was Nintendo and I was looking at marketing, I would probably want to release the Prime Trilogy a year at minimum before Metroid 4 Prime 4 is uh, released. So... Presumably, they are waiting until development has reached the point where they can be reasonably certain to uh, meet that target. I might be wrong about that, but like releasing the trilogy is a phenomenal way to promote a brand new 3D Metroid game. Yeah, definitely. So now that we gave you a whole bunch of games to play, Corey, and uh, you're, you're going to go on eBay and look up cartridges of Fusion and Zero Mission and come back and say, never mind. Um if, or just throw, just forget about Metroid altogether. Play Hollow Knight, and we'll come on the podcast and talk about it, just for fun, you know. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Is that before or after the episode on Celeste? Oh god! Oh, there's a Celeste episode now. Okay, what have I done? That one might be stretching it <laughs> just a bit, <laughs> just, just a little bit. 
It's a role playing game. I'm depressed. She's depressed. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and no one, no one's thrown out Ori in the blind forest yet. Uh, didn't I on Slack and you shot me down immediately? Do you want to know something horrible? I bounced off Blind Forest. I tried it and I just, I, it did not work for me. Really? I didn't dislike it. It just, I just bounced right really off. Weird. I hear that Will of the Wisps is unbelievably good though. But I will say oh, yeah. Blind Forest had like the most devastating opening <laughs> I've seen since like Up. Yes. Oh yeah, I totally bawled like a baby. It was bad. <laughs> All right. Does anyone have any last thoughts on Super Metroid? If you haven't played it and you're listening to this podcast, you should play Super Metroid. It's available. It's available on the on the Switch uh, through uh, Nintendo Online, so it's not like it's difficult to play, and it's amazing. I I wish I played it in 1994. There's also a special edition on the Switch where you're decked out with all your uh, gear, and you can just kind of trounce through the planet, you know, wherever you want to go. As long as you don't like play that one on accident and try to figure out like what it is you're doing like well, that's weird why do i have all these power-ups from the very beginning you do realize that happened to me right i do yeah. I'm definitely calling you out because it's, it's funny um, oh that's so good i mean it you know it's like i said to you at the time though like i like that they do that on the nintendo on the switch online service but i don't like how they organize it in the menu because if you've missed that little badge or in the games that have more than one, you have like all these different copies of the game in your library. I wish it was I wish it was behind a menu or something. I think I'm just so thankful anytime Nintendo makes anything from a prior generation available, because they're not very good at this. Although like I can't think of many companies who are. Um, I'm just thankful to be able to play Super Metroid, honestly. I was not expecting to be able to. Yeah, I'm yeah, glad definitely. too. I mean, they're they're good in each generation in different ways. I think, I think where they've lost me a little bit is that they had this giant library on the Wii, and then when they got to the Wii U, they're like, okay, well, we're just going to like trickle these same games out again, and now that we got to the Switch and they're doing it again, and I'm like, why, why do you keep starting over? I don't get it. Yeah, even Disney is the vote has uh, abandoned the Disney vault <laughs> mentality. Exactly. <laughs> but no, the Nintendo vault is still. Is still very much in place. I know. Actually, that that almost sort of ties into something we're gonna I'm gonna talk about here in our uh, outro. But uh, yeah. So before I do that, uh, thank you everyone for listening to us ramble about Super Metroid. Um, thank all three of you for being here. I think this was a, a fun thing to talk about. I'm really glad. I'm glad all of you are here, but I'm especially glad that you were here, Corey, because it's really cool having someone. You know, me, I've been playing this game constantly for decades. So being able to talk about it with someone who's never played these games until now has been really interesting to me. Yeah, all I keep thinking about is why wasn't I playing this in like the 90s? Why was I playing Halo and all the other crap? This is much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be a controversial statement. <laughs> Whatever, it's an RPG podcast. Crappy games like Halo. <laughs> I wonder how many I wonder how many big Halo fans listen to Retro Encounter. I guess we might find out after this, huh? Sorry in advance for all the hate mail. No, yeah. Here, Mike, give them the email that they can send Mike on. <laughs> I will, I will, but first first I'm gonna talk about what we're doing next on Retro Encounter. Okay. Because that's part of my job here hosting this show that I again pretty sure I've never hosted. Um so uh 
this was our second game in our Metroidvania month. So coming up on Retro Encounter next week, next week, in the next week or two, later this month, um, is going to be the last game of our Metroidvania month, which, as Jono mentioned, is Salt and Sanctuary. And that one is part Metroidvania, part Souls-like, and a lot of gray. Um, so much gray. So much gray. Um, we're not just talking. We're not just talking like shades of gray. And like, is it a Metroidvania? We're just talking the color gray. Oh yes, <laughs> so much of that. Um, now, me, when I what little I've played of it, I did enjoy it. Although it definitely kicked my ass a lot. Um, but I'm not on that episode, so you all have fun talking about that one. So after that, well, after or before, uh, we're, we're still deciding on the order of a couple episodes. But sometime this month, the other episode we're doing on Retro Encounter is the third edition of RPG Adaptations. So that's going to be a panel of people talking about stories from other media that they like to see adapted to RPGs. And so it's the third time we're doing it on a Retro Encounter, but this is also the first time we're doing a written feature along the same lines. Um, although the written feature and podcast will cover different topics. So if you enjoy the podcast or the written feature on RPG fan, I encourage you to check out the other part too. So we're, we're trying this, you know, cross media thing with it. And I've, I don't know what's going to come up on the podcast, but I know what's been written on the written feature and it's a very, very good read. So a lot of really creative ideas from people. So I'm going to be excited to see that get published. And after that, the the only other episodes I've been given permission to discuss is the next Game Journal series, which is going to be two episodes on Final Fantasy XIII, which somehow we've never talked about. So I think that's going to be a really interesting one. Because um, I know some of the people on that on those Game Journals have never played Thirteen. So yeah, that is our show. If you have feedback on the episode and you want to get in touch with us, technically Solosi, but really the show in general, you can email us at retro at rpgfan.com. Make sure you check out our website, which is rpgfan.com. And we're also, we have a Discord, we're on YouTube. We have game streaming almost every day on Twitch. Um, We have two other podcasts. We have Random Encounter, which I think I've mentioned once or twice here. Uh, This Jono guy here hosts that one. Uh Yep. And that runs every other week on Mondays. That's mostly about current features, reviews, current, you know, current gaming stuff or current RPG news. Um, And then we have Rhythm Encounter, which I host alternate weeks with Jono. And that's where we talk about RPG music. So definitely check those out if either of those sound interesting to you. Um, And just like this podcast, you can find Random and Rhythm Encounter on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. So we encourage you to check all those out and interact with us however you see fit or want to. And then the last thing here is how can people get in touch with each of us? Um, How can people reach you if they want to send you some feedback, Jono? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. You can send me an email at jloganrpgfan.com or if you have something for random encounter you can send it to podcast at rpgfan.com perfect and Corey, where can the halo fans reach you everybody except the halo fans who i didn't mean to offend because i love halo i promise um can reach me at more coffee 88 on twitter or Corey t at rpgfan.com see that's just going to make them more angry 
Don't stoke the flames, Jonah. No, it's not. It's not. I, I'm hoping everyone understood it was in jest. And I also really like your Twitter name. I would like more coffee right now. Um, <laughs> and how about you, Josh? I can be found on most social media platforms with the handle J. Lewis Writing. Um, and you can check out my website, jlewiscreative.com, where I do not post very often. Uh, still working on that. So, yeah, feel free to get a hold of me. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank all of you for being here and talking about one of you know my favorite games with me. So this has been a lot of fun. So thank you. Uh, let's see. How's this go? Thank you. Good night. Good luck. And so we'll see if I wasn't supposed to adapt your outro or use it, or if I otherwise messed it up, please forgive me. Um, now let's all go play Metroid Fusion. Mm-hmm.